This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Shall we begin? FM 89.9. It's 7.38. Hello, everybody. It's a sprightly Thursday greeting from us here at Popcorn Culture. Um, you are listening, of course, to Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin. And our supercut today, in honour of The Sandman, which has some dark roots in its content, is all about darkness. This idea of dark content, disturbing stuff, the thing that gets under your skin, the stuff that just you think about for weeks after... That's what we're talking about today. But um, we also want to hear from you, actually, firstly, if you like it, if if this is something that you can handle. um, And if you have favourites, as always, let us know. But we also want to hear if you just can't stomach it. If you're a squeamish person, as I am, frankly, uh, let us know. That number to WhatsApp, either which way, is 018-789-8899. You can also, of course, tweet us at BFM Radio. That was a little bit of saw. I majorly began regretting the decision for this show as that clip played. I was like, why? Mm-hmm. Why did I agree to this? Because half the clips that we're going to play, just the sound alone bother me. Um, half of them give me mental images that I'd rather not have. Even just researching for this, looking up clips, gave me more difficult thoughts that I'd rather not have to sit with. So yeah, and and yet... I will say this. I also actually deeply love a lot of these really dark films. Uh, Lynn, you mentioned Sandman, but actually the other movie we talked about this week was Prey. Um, and Predator, uh, especially the that face um, in the first, the original Predator, mm-hmm. for me is one of the worst images I have from my childhood. Like I used to be so terrified of Predator and forests because of that movie. Um, and once again, I think it speaks to the power of the, the sort of the darker side of entertainment and why it's so fascinating. So logically, this should be like our least fun show, right? Like we're talking about darkness on screen. It should be like we shouldn't be having fun talking about any of these movies because they are either like traumatic or they, like you said, they create like mental images that you don't want to think about. You don't want to revisit these things. But I think the thing is that there is a lot of fun in certain brands of darkness, like depending on how they are used um, or depending on when you watch the movie. So just listening to that clip of Saw, um, it is like very violent and you can you can uh, picture like the things that are going on. But it's also kind of corny um, and the way it sounds is a bit, um, it's a bit goofy now, like how many years removed, like 15, 16 years later. So I think like, you know, if if they know how to use it, these genres can be a, a lot of fun. Like audiences really eat this stuff up depending on the kind of darkness that they're comfortable with. I will say straight up that I don't have a huge problem with gore. So in mm. general for me, like intestines spilling out or like, you know, just looking really closely at the inside of somebody's body. Yeah, I mean, that sounds dark, right? Like said like that, <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah. sounds kind of dark. But I that is not the image that will linger for me. And that's not the part of Saw that I find disturbing. Um, The part of Saw that I find disturbing, and this is going to be a recurring theme, I think, in a number of the movies that we talk about, is actually the the good or evil stuff, you know, the the stuff where you are forced to consider what it is that you would do in a similar situation, how you would react, or um, really dark human nature things, the the stuff that makes you look at your neighbour or the person sitting next to you in the cinema and go, would you? (laughs) <laughs> like, is this something you would do? Is it something I would do? And and that's the stuff I get really disturbed by. Same. Um, we talked about including David Fincher, uh, you know, so many David Fincher clips in this show. Um, and I think something like Seven, for instance, um, to me still, uh, when when they take you to the, the, the scenes of the crime mm. um, or when you meet, uh, you know, who's behind the crimes, uh, 
there's something about the sort of the depravity of the hu- of human nature, similar to something like Silence of the Lambs and the rest of the the Thomas Harris movies, right? Um, which I think can be a lot more disturbing than your ghosts or your ghouls or whatever. I'm not saying that I'm still not terrified by, say, Chucky, but <laughs> I, I think something like a like a human, a person whom you can almost relate to doing really terrifying things is probably one of the darkest things you can watch on screen. But there's so much value in that, though, um, putting those things on screen, right? Like, there is a value in, I don't know, what do you call it? Like, negative feelings or downish feelings. Catharsis. Yeah, catharsis. <laughs> because, like, people watch these movies a lot. Like, they go to the cinema to watch these movies. I know some people who watch these movies at home, like, for fun. Like, they put on Seven just to just to watch it on, like, a just Saturday night. Just to decompress. Night. Just to decompress. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Like, how, how does this even work? But it seems to have, like... Um, I don't know, just being in that space of, of feeling downish or feeling bad or with a, a sense of doom and gloom, it has a lot of effect and impact on the people watching. I don't know what it is. Um, I try to avoid these movies until I really need to watch them. But I also can admit that I enjoy them while they are going on. Can I quickly clarify at this point, what is the difference between horror which we've mm. talked about before, and what we're talking about tonight, which again is dark, disturbing stuff. Not necessarily horror, but, you know, the stuff that gets just under your skin. What is the difference? How do you guys understand the difference? Because I know that there is one, but I think the line isn't super clear. Scream, for me, is not necessarily dark. It's a slasher flick, right? Mm, yeah. Um, but, like, dark for me is when um, it makes you feel uncomfortable. So it's not just about scaring you or jump scares, but that it actually makes you feel deeply uncomfortable. Um, it disturbs you. It lingers in your mind, which is a little bit different for me from being just scary. Hmm. I think, so I'm thinking about something like a killing of a sacred deer, so that yeah. for me, it, it's it's horror because there's so much gore, there's so much violence, there's so much death, but it's also not horror in that sense. It is very disturbing. I think that is like pure darkness on screen, even though most of the scenes happen in the daytime, like they're super bright and glossy. Can I just say something like The Lighthouse or The Lobster isn't necessarily horror, but it is so dark and disturbing. So we're mm-hmm. just in full Yorgos Lanthimos I know, right? territory yeah. at this yeah. point. This we, is his playground. Actually, it really is, mm-hmm. you know, um, we, we haven't clipped him I don't think mostly because um, his films are kind of unclippable it's just silence or shrieking Mm. and then like like discordant violence and Mm -hmm. you're like okay what's happening but a filmmaker like a Yorgos Lanthimos is a great example Uh, a David Lynch is another good example of somebody who perpetually lives in this place where it's like am I tickling you or killing you and and that's the the kind of tone they (laughs) tend to take that there was truly dark Right? Mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's there's something about it. And that I mean I didn't put on a clown face or anything. It's not horror per se, but but there is a dis- how, how like, would the people listening know? Yeah, thanks, man. You should both say, but <laughs> at, at this point, this is the part where you jump in to reassure everybody, but you know, here we are. Um Okay, we are talking today about dark content, the stuff that disturbs us and asking you, basically, firstly, do you like it um, and what some of your favourites are here, whether film or show, what have you, you can let us know. But the other thing is, if you don't like dark content... Are you squeamish? Is it just something you don't prefer? Tell us as well um, if you've made it this far. You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. And now um, kind of one of the, at this point, it's almost an old guard in some ways of disturbing stuff on television. Here's a bit of Black Mirror. Hi there. How are you doing? I am wonderful. <laughs> I am so sorry. That flight is cancelled. So when is the next flight? I see there's one standby seat on another plane leaving tonight. Uh, That's reserved for members of our prime flight program. You got to be a 4.2 or over to qualify. Oh, I'm I'm a Mm 4.2. I'm afraid you're actually a 4.183. But it's so close. There's just nothing I can do. Christ, I mean, surely. I'm going to have to ask you to moderate your language there. Can you call the supervisor? I cannot do that. Can you just call the supervisor? I cannot do that. Call the Supervisor. Okay, that's profanity. We're zero tolerance on profanity. I'm sorry, it's just... Yeah, I have to serve the next customer. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Step no, no, away, no. ma'am. God, just f- help me! I'm so sorry. Okay, so, in order to restore calm, I'm invoking my authority as airport security to dock you one full ranking point as a punitive measure. This is a temporary measure. 
No. The score reverts to normal in 24 hours. No, 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 but I need it now. Period. All down votes are subject to a times two multiplier. Times two? We recommend you avoid negative feedback at this time. I'm on double damage. Please, remove yourself from the airport immediately. Bruce Freddie Morrissey. BFM 89.9. You're serious, aren't you? You're telling us you killed those three young men on the subway? Mm-hmm. And why should we believe you? You got nothing left to lose? <laughs> My life is nothing but a comedy. Well, let me get this straight. You think that killing those guys is funny? I do. And I'm tired of pretending it's not. Comedy is subjective, Murray. Isn't that what they say? All of you, the system that knows so much, you decide what's right or wrong the same way that you decide what's funny or not. I, I might understand that you did this to start a movement, to become a, a symbol. Come on, Murray. Do I look like the kind of clown that could start a movement? I killed those guys because they were awful. Everybody is awful these days. It's enough to make anyone crazy. Okay, so that's it, you're crazy. That's your defense for killing three young men? No. They couldn't carry a tune to save their lives. BFM 89.9, it is 7.50. You're listening to Popcorn Culture and our supercut tonight is all about dark content. Uh, the stuff that makes us squirm, the stuff that makes us uncomfortable, the stuff we can't stop thinking about. Not necessarily horror, just dark, disturbing content. And we want to hear from you. What's your line, basically? Like, is this even uh, the type of stuff you like to watch? And also, where is that line drawn for you? What is the thing that you just can't get over? Um, you can WhatsApp us, 018. 789 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So Joker um, definitely got a lot of people thinking about that partly. And I think the disturbing part of this movie, for me at least, has a lot to do with the relentless nature of it. Like it just keeps going. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. Um, there is no reprieve, right? Because even um, the Heath Ledger Joker, it was part of a larger movie where there were other things going on. But with this one, it's his story. And it's inherently such a dark, sad, tragic story. Um, But also not so tragic that you're then... You are feeling kind of sorry for him, but it also doesn't allow him to get away with that. So there's a lot going on that I I must admit, I watch this. I I love it as a movie, but it was difficult for me to want to rewatch, mostly because of how dark it was. So weirdly, this is one movie that I can watch again and again. I don't like a lot of the feelings I get when watching it because it's very, very heavy and and, and depressing to go through. But it's one of those things that I appreciate as a film. Um, The Joker, though, I think his brand of, of darkness on screen... Um, is so unique because you cannot lump him with like other slashers or villains or, or other characters, right? It's very, he stands alone. And I think it's because he is magnetic um, for all the, the wrong reasons. Like you see a lot of Facebook bros with him on the profile picture. Ray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mean, no, yeah. They're, they're little signature touches, I think, in the performance that's part of what makes that charisma. Yeah, and, and so many quotes and so many things that he says, right, that are twisted and used to your own advantage to justify things. I think it's that magnetism that gets people watching these movies and I think um, with all a lot of dark content if you have that magnetism um, even when it comes to villains something about it just draws people watching them whether you agree or not is a, is a different thing but you can't stop watching him when he's on screen something so this is something that's going to be a recurring theme in our show today actually looking at the clips that we have lined up but um, I, I don't know about y'all uh but aside from the you know the murdering and the general mayhem mm-hmm. and, and all that um the thing that really got to me was the storyline involving zazi beats because there is a little bit of or rather a lot of dissonance clearly in terms of what the relationship is or is imagined to be um and you know that there is an unstable person who's capable of violence, who's in the picture with a child, with a woman. And I, I do find that the threat of violence, particularly sexual violence um, against women, is a very difficult one for me to work through. And I know that this is an entire film genre. Um, Irreversible is like 
so intensely the movie that everybody brings up at this point. And I know that there are reasons for why that is. But yeah, I, um, we'll, we'll come to this later. But violence against women, a uh, threat of sexual violence in particular, oof, difficult. There's actually literally only one movie that I started watching and then stopped. Uh, and not because I thought it was so bad that I didn't want to watch it, but because I actually just couldn't stomach it and that was irreversible. Um, I still haven't finished. It's the way, I mean, it's also because of the order the story is told. So, yeah. so that makes it tough. Yeah. Um, I mean, sure, they're like human centipede and whatever, which I sort of squeamishly watched. But this one, genuinely, the darkness of it, uh, the relentless nature of it. And, and I think like that sometimes is the two sides of when something is perhaps a little too dark, when there's no reprieve from that world that it builds. So I don't know what's worse. I, I, I haven't seen that movie, um, but I don't know what's worse. Like movies like um, that use it as to say that it's it's bad or movies that use it as... I don't know what the word for it is, like a, like a gimmick or just as part of the show. So I, I struggled with uh, earlier seasons of Game of Thrones because of mm. that. Because the, the story for me, the fantasy elements were not moving enough, but there was a lot of unnecessary violence, I felt. Um, so I was like, I don't know where this show is going. It's getting very dark, very sad. Like everyone that I'm invested in just dies for some reason. Um, <laughs> so it's it's those things, right? And the um, violence against women. Um, and a lot of it became gratuitous. Yeah, it's so, ex exactly. So watching that, I was like... Like what, what is this show trying to do? Because they're not using it to say that it's bad. They're just using it. And I, I don't know. It, it's always very uncomfortable when that happens in, in TV shows and in movies. 100%. TV shows is different also because you have to sit with it and it's mm. episode after episode after episode. And you're like, how many children are you going to immolate? When is yeah. this going to end? <laughs> Kill Bill. Kill Bill uh, has scenes like that, which I we, we talked about this like was completely unnecessary in that movie. Kill Bill, though, has a tone that somehow moves it away from feeling dark. I think it's mm. the hyper-stylized, um, the music, the pace at which things move. Things don't feel quite real. And therefore, you are almost... I don't know whether I've ever watched Kill Bill and thought, oh, this is a dark movie. Like, intellectually, I feel it, but I don't feel it in my gut. It's, uh, it's a Tarantino problem, mm. right? Because, I mean, something like a Django... It's actually really it's quite dark, really you know. Dark, yeah. It's it's extremely dark, but because of the stylized mm. costumes, the the signature Tarantino movement through the course of the film, you're like, oh, oh inglorious in as well. Um, yeah, very dark. I mean, the subject itself is dark, but watching it, you're kind of almost distanced from the darkness a little bit. Can you um, can you stomach it if it's based on a true story? So like stuff like Twelve Years a Slave, um, you know, just pure uncomfortable violence. I can watch it. Mm -hmm. um, 12 Years a Slave, I found tough. Again, too real, too dark, too reminiscent of things that we know happened, right? Exactly. So that is my biggest problem, just knowing that these were true stories and they happened to actual people. So that I think for me, that's the line. I'm like, uh, this is like this is very uncomfortable. Just to make everyone more uncomfortable, that scene with the noose oh. is incredibly difficult to watch. I mean, I love, I actually really love that movie. I remember watching it and being so blown away and also thinking at the same time, well, I guess I will never see this again. Mm. And yet, if you asked me to describe moments, I have very clear moments. I can still see Michael Fassbender's crazy drunk face. I can still, um, you know, see the, the long shot of the noose, um, his face while singing the hymn. There are very specific things that yeah. I can clearly remember, which I guess goes to show you the effectiveness of Michael Fassbender. Disturbingness, <laughs> I was going to say. But who is a disturbing actor, he by the way? Very, the eyes. Very, yeah, the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's, it's the teeth for me. Um, we have Crispy Bacon who says, jump scare and body horror relies a lot on special effects, but real dark disturbing stuff is genius writing that gets free rent in your head. And I agree with that. And I don't. Um, so on the one hand, I think the really good stuff is absolutely that. On the flip side, I think sometimes the gratuitous stuff gets stuck in your head too. And that's really annoying. The gratuitous, so gratuitous stuff for no reason, often I can I can kind of ignore it. Mm. But when there's a lot of violence and then the, the images of certain things, yeah, those get stuck in my, I mean, I mentioned human centipede. Sometimes I just don't even like saying it because the, the, the words bring visuals to my mind that I really don't want. I'm just going to say like the mountain versus the viper Game of Thrones like that oh, that oh my god just, like I, actually that's the thing that that made me go like whoa this show is either genius or I'm never going to watch it again I couldn't sleep yeah I actually couldn't sleep yeah. I watched it really late and and I was like yeah. yeah, what the heck? I knew it would happen because I'd read the book. No, me too. And yet, and yet, when it happened, I was like, "Oh God, I need a break." It's the first time I gasped 
watching a TV show. The various coloured weddings also. I, I know what's <laughs> going to happen. That's not the point. You know, it's just when it does happen, you're like, good Lord. Um, okay, we're talking today about dark, disturbing content. Not necessarily horror, just the stuff that really, you know, squirms around in your head. We'd like to hear from you. Uh, what are some of your favourites? And where's your line? Where's the stuff that you just can't do? Um, you can WhatsApp us, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Since we opened with the Joker, we're going to close with uh, Batman, though not Batman. Here's a bit of American Psycho. You like Huey Lewis on the news? They're okay. Their early work was a little too new wave for my taste. But when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own, commercially and artistically. The whole album has a clear, crisp sound and a new sheen of consummate professionalism that really gives the songs a big boost. Hey, Albert's trying Yes, Alan? Why are there copies of the style section all over the place? Do you, do you have a dog? A little chow or something? <laughs> no, Alan. Is that a raincoat? Yes, it is. In 87, Huey released this for their most accomplished album. I think their undisputed masterpiece is Hip to Be Square. A song so catchy, most people probably don't listen to the lyrics, but they should, because it's not just about the pleasures of conformity and the importance of trends, it's also a personal statement about the band itself. Hey, Paul! Break from mediocrity. BFM 89.9. No mock justice today. Trust in the law. FM 89.9. It's 8.09 and you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmalan Arvin. And our supercut tonight is focused on dark, disturbing content. Uh, just the stuff that gets into our heads, uh, not necessarily horror, but just the, the bits that are really disturbing and difficult to handle. And we've been asking basically... Uh, is this something you can do? Is this something you like? And what are your favourites? But also, where's your line? Where's the stuff where you're just like, okay, this is it. I'm never doing this again. Uh, you can WhatsApp us, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. And um, we talked a little bit about 12 Years a Slave earlier. That was Watchmen, uh, the TV show. I feel the need to very strongly clarify. And it... <laughs> was the little bit of it that focused on the Tulsa massacre, which I actually struggled to get over quite a bit. Yes. Um, you know, I, ha I actually had trouble even cutting that clip uh, because... So one thing is that when you watch a show like Watchmen um, and, you know, you, you, you know, you think you know what the story is going to do, you don't expect it to go to these dark places. And the other thing was um, the Tulsa race massacre was something that most people don't know about. Most people mm. who live in the US don't even know about it. And this was my first introduction to this horrible event that happened. Um, and just watching it like that on screen in a show that I didn't expect it to happen in, um, you know, I, I felt, because I watched Watchmen very close to Lovecraft Country, and because they were both about African-American um, uh, African-American exploitation, abuse, all of those issues, um, I really felt that it 
both shows are mirror opposites in terms of how to handle trauma and pain for a community because Watchmen does it so beautifully and so importantly whereas Lovecraft Country I felt as the show went on started almost performing it in a way and I think that's important when you want to go dark and disturbing but it's also about real people and real events but if it's um like shows like Watchmen and 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 Lovecraft right do they sort of soften the blow when it comes to these things because it's not a it's not a like a biography or it's not a, a true story quote unquote thing uh, and there's a lot of other elements of like like superhero stuff and and fiction uh, and a lot going on right so they're not focusing primarily on the racism and and the race based violence does it soften the blow for you guys because for me I'm going to admit um I am uncomfortable watching those things when they happen in movies that are based on actual stories but when they when they put it in the context of another bigger movie like Watchmen it sort of dilutes it so the thing that happens next sort of covers the 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 traumatic stuff that happened before very easily I think I would feel differently about this if I were American. So, hmm. uh for me when I watch movies involving slavery or enslaved people and um the the difficulties around that, right? Just the the ways in which it still echoes or the idea that people treated other people in in any way or form and and thought it was okay yeah. at that at that point in time. It's horrible, but it's horrible on a human level. Um it's not horrible on a um on the kind of personal level that I imagine is why in America there's such a sensitivity to it, why there's a there's a whole idea of pushback against it. Because I think the way it's integrated into American content makes it harder for, for them to deal with. I'm not saying that we are exempt from this in any way or form, uh, just that because it is often African-American stories that are being told. For me, it doesn't get diluted when it's a show like Watchmen that... Mm essentially ha- is using um, uh, racial trauma as the backdrop for the story. It's not like they, oh, we're going to do one episode where we talk about this massacre, but then the rest of this is actually about superheroes fighting. No, the whole series, in fact, takes on these tropes and, and very sort of intensely um, balances it out with these more fantastical elements. So then I don't think so. Um, essentially, I think that you have to earn it. If you're going to mm. take a true mm. story, true events, and transpose it on to other things um you know i i said earlier for instance how inglorious bastards may not necessarily be dark but i do think it earns the right to tell that story and i think that's always important the thing when you said earns the the right um get out does it yes, so well so yes. that, that's obviously not true story but then it uses the race-based uh, violence and horror is so get so out, well is get out darker or is us darker because I've, i found us darker i've not watched us because i'm terrified of that visual image of the the the, the girls the twins yeah the, the twins i haven't even watched it because fair. because the image terrifies me um i'd say get out for sure interesting get out. i'd say get out because it's it's violence based on who the person inherently is like there's no way there's no way he, he can shake that the protagonist there's no way to shake that so what bothers me about us is the uh, inescapability of some of the characters and the idea of yeah. the the way in which life was lived. I'm speaking very obliquely because the truth is that uh, for somebody who's all like, <laughs> spoilers, I don't care, uh, Get Out was spoiled for me. And so I went in and I, I still enjoyed the movie because truthfully, I like I said before, it doesn't matter so much. But I recognize from the Get Out experience that some of the horror does get diluted if you already know where it's going to go. Yes. Oh, interesting. Uh, so maybe it's different for me in that sense because I watched us having learned from that. I watched us really early, and so I don't want to do the thing that someone else did for me with Get Out. Uh, but yeah, us us lived with me a long time. I'm really excited about Nope. I'm so excited about Nope. Um, I did want to say now I'm going to try not to spoil Get Out. Um, that for me, what makes Get Out so particularly dark is the themes um, of racism and all that. But also the fact that it it really messes with your mind, um, the fears mm. of being trapped, the fears of uh, not having control over yourself and your actions, uh, those kinds of things, I think, extend beyond just um, 
the the horror of racial abuse uh, and moves on to things that we can identify with and i think for me that's why get out was particularly dark also because it's so bright and, yes. and I, I i'm more disturbed by movies that happen in like broad daylight as opposed to when they happen at night or in the dark because killing of the sacred deer you exactly, mentioned yeah. yeah yeah because it's just it's out there and if you can't if you can't run into the light from the dark then then where do you go to find safety right and these movies always exploit that midsummer Oh god, it yeah. It never gets dark. It never gets dark even when the bear thing happens. It just nothing <laughs> gets dark ever even when you want it to. Um we've been asking you where is your line when it comes to dark content? Uh the the disturbing stuff, the difficult stuff, not necessarily horror, just disturbing. Um and what some of your favorites are, you can WhatsApp us 0187898899, tweet us at BFM Radio. So, uh Intan says, RoboCop 2014 when they revealed what was left of Murphy's real body by removing Oof. the robot parts was horrifying he was basically a brain in the jar and the lungs breathing made it creepier oh that was a very jarring scene like it because yes. it happened like suddenly and they, they and you don't expect out. it you don't yeah. expect it and yeah. and it didn't happen it wasn't that um physical in the previous um, RoboCop I think. Oh, interesting. This just came in from Justin who says, "Oh yes, movies that involve the mutilation of the human body and sacrificing of body parts for cyber or techno prosthetics are pretty disturbing for me. There are multiple dis- depictions of this in sci-fi such as Alita Battle Angel, so futuristic stories are pretty filled with transhumanism. Those are dark for me." Uh actually that's a great uh that's that that's a really great example because um that reminds me of Arkane and how a lot mm. of the um it's not body horror but the darkness of a lot of the story um has to do with people choosing uh to augment themselves or being forced into being augmented um and that that forms a lot of the I think just building a really dark atmosphere Actually that's that's a lot like get out right which I mean we just said like you don't have control over yourself is being stuck in a, in another body that isn't yours like RoboCop that's the that's the horror and the trauma there the trappedness the is very difficult yeah um Justin also says have you guys watched Noroi it's a Japanese film uh, of the horror genre it's it's pretty dark in the sense that it involves the summoning of a demonic being that's perpetually off screen so the entire film has a lingering presence of a dark ancient evil is a poignant found footage format it leaves a mark in your mind I have not but um now I want to although oh. I'm also a little bit scared. Oh I I never want to after yeah. that description <laughs> I'm like no Same. I, I'm It's, good. The story sounds amazing but yeah no I say this la and then I'm like no <laughs> you watch it Somebody, and then let us know. <laughs> let, let's all three of us watch it maybe at some point. Um Justin thank you for the recommendation it was beautifully described this is just us being cowards <laughs> like like just so it's clear that's all it is uh Kamar Nizam says when i was young i squirmed looking at the hellraiser poster you know the fully pinned head it was iconic but i didn't get to watch it until today <laughs> Yes. Oh, you know, I didn't even have to look it up when you mentioned it. I remember yeah. the poster. Never watched the movie. That actually reminds me of uh, Dark City, which is like literally yes. such a dark movie. Yes, actually. Yeah. Um because they, they have a pinhead looking yes. uh, people in it. Do you all remember those little novelty things that were happening for a while where it's like just a bunch of pins and then you put your hand in and it's an imprint of your hand? Oh yeah. Oh, like yeah, a yeah, metal yeah. thing. Yeah, I did that with my face and I was just like what am I doing? Because <laughs> it's a it's it's you know terrifying yourself in a hellraiser style for truly no reason whatsoever. Uh Jerome says Growing up, three weird movies that seemed dark or disturbing to me were firstly Mirror Mask, secondly The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, third the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. There were also the Twilight Zone series and more recently Brightburn and the Boys. Twilight Zone is a great shout. Oh um, man, yes. Yeah, because there were so many stories in those that were disturbing. Um, you know, and I used to watch them every week. Much too young, mm. really disturbing things. I love the uh, Baron Munchausen shout because I used to love that film as a kid. I don't. So it's interesting because I didn't realize how dark it was when I watched it as a kid. I think it was only when I was a little older that I realized how dark that movie was. Also, Robin Williams is so good in that film. Why the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory though? Because Tim Burton's is disturbing. It's, it's, it a, it's is. A, you don't want to be in that chocolate factory at all. I think the original one was as well though. Yeah, there, there, there has always been horror elements. I mean, uh, firstly, so I think when you're a kid and you watch kids get mistreated or mm. quote unquote mm-hmm. mistreated in in ways like this and in ways that seem quite permanent, like when you swell up. to become like a giant blueberry person. Yeah. Like like that's that's pretty permanent and it leaves you with blue skin like what the heck. Um but also the question of 
what the Oompa Loompas are, where do they sleep, are they free? Like, you know, these are questions that get asked. Yeah, People also yeah. always talk about how Gene Wilder was actually really quite creepy as Willy Wonka, right? I mean, yeah. he was creepy in the way Willy Wonka in the, no- in the books were. Uh, books was mm. versus Johnny Depp's Willy Wonka, who just kind of took it in this whole other weird direction. Well, he based it on Michael Jackson, yes. didn't he? So, so there is that. Oh, that makes sense. Mm. Now that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, Tim Burton such a weirdly like he uses darkness in such a weird way, right? Because his movies are all inherently quite dark and gloomy and and brooding. But, but they've fun. never disturbed me. Yeah, they've mm. rarely disturbed me. Other than say Edwards is a hand which disturbed me in a in a in a more like oh my god, humans can be so awful kind of way. It's a melancholy thing, right? Yeah, that, that's it's a melancholy not thing. disturbing mm. per se. Although I, I keep, there's something niggling at the back of my mind. Um, I, I don't know whether it's just, do I consider Nightmare Before Christmas disturbing? Not really, but I think the imagery of some of the, the, the townspeople mm. in Nightmare Before Christmas is tough. I, I think it's just the concept, like a Frankenweenie is, mm. you know, when you think of a concept like that, it's it's dark. It's really dark. But then he has a way of making it uh, either like poignant or sweet. And, or and funny. Or funny. Mm. Um, such a unique way of, of looking at that. Yeah, uh, I, I've realised what it is. It's the mayor. It's the mayor. Frank and Weenie? Uh, sorry, uh, no, uh, no, Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm. Yes, uh. the, the, the head and the, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's just a visual thing and it's not necessarily what we're talking about. I've never dreamt about the guy, you know? And, and that, that's a benchmark. Um Okay, a pair of people bringing up one movie that at this point comes up literally every week, I want to say. Shamil says, is Grave of the Fireflies considered dark? For me, it is so dark, depressing. And later on, when you know it was a semi-autobiography, it makes it even darker. This is the only movie that I can't sit down and rewatch. I got so depressed. I had numerous nightmares. Rowan also asks... Does Grave of the Fireflies count? It was really depressing. I cannot rewatch. There are cycles of ups where you think it's going okay, then you crash really, really low. Uh, Rowan has more to say, but let's discuss Grave of the Fireflies first. Oh, Grave of the Fireflies is one hundred percent dark. It's it's disturbing in a all in a much too human way. Um, I don't think I can rewatch it. It's one of the few movies that when I recommend to people, I always warn them. You know how many times I've wanted to watch that movie? <laughs> yeah, we've warned and you. Then, yeah, yeah, like you guys have warned me. And then every time there's a, there's a message that comes in warning me. And every time I, I want to put that movie on, I think about, am I having a good Saturday? And if it's semi-good, I'm like, I'll postpone this to a time when it's not good at all. But then when it's bad, do you want to add to it? It's this a, is always yeah, the struggle. Double down. Just double down. <laughs> mm, I watched it on a neutral day and then couldn't recover for a week. You see? So, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think. Which is not to say it's an amazing film. Grave of the Fireflies is, um, is amazing. It's just a lot. I guess I'll never know. <laughs> you, you will find out. There will be a Saturday where... Am I cursing my friend to do like a sad Saturday? Is that neutral. what's happening? Neutral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neutral. neutral. A neutral Saturday. Um, Rowan goes on to say, the most recent dark show I've seen is the TV series Blackbird, partly because it's based on a true story, but also the mesmerizing and very, very disturbing performance of Paul Walter Hauser. So, so creepy. I never watched Blackbird, um, but I do know lots of people who really love it. Same, same. Yeah, it, um, and serial killer shows are. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, serial killers, and I mean, in, in theme with this, uh, children. It, it's yeah. always mm. quite difficult. Um, so we're talking today about dark stuff, dark, disturbing films, shows. What are your favorites? Do you even like it? Where is your line? That's what we want to know. You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Our next clip um, is for a movie that I've watched, I remember incredibly well, and uh, also just, I don't know, how did you guys experience Requiem for a Dream? Because I really couldn't. Was it? Did we watch it together for the first time? We did, we yeah. did. Yeah. We decided to do a movie party, and this <laughs> is the movie we picked. And then Such a party. Such a party. Nobody yeah. wanted to do anything after that. It, it's yeah. you know, it's a great film, but it's it's just sad. Like again, the relentless nature of it for me. The the whole vibe of the movie, like everything about it, the music, the scenes, it's just uh, it's such a downer, man. Right, and then it empowered Darren Aronofsky to go off and make Mother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- this is yeah. the the logical through flow. But anyway, um, here's a little bit of Requiem for a Dream. What is the big deal about being on television? Those pills you're taking to kill you before you ever get on, for Christ's sake. Big deal. You drove up in a cab. Did you see who had the best seat? I'm somebody now, Harry. Everybody likes me. Soon, 
Millions of people will see me and they'll all like me. I'll tell them about you, your father, how good he was to us. Remember? It's a reason to get up in the morning. It's a reason to lose weight, to fit in a red dress. It's a reason to smile. It makes tomorrow all right. What have I got, Harry? Hmm? Why should I even make the bed or wash the dishes? I do them. But why should I? I'm alone. Your father's gone. You're gone. I got no one to care for. What have I got, Harry? Bring forth Moolah, BFM 89.9. husband used to call me a nocturnal animal. I didn't know you had an ex-husband. I've been thinking about him a lot lately. And then recently he sent me this book that he's written. It's violent and it's sad. Then he dedicated it to me. Did you love him? I did something horrible to him. I really wanted to be this person that you thought I was. You're crazy. You'll never find out. When you love someone, you have to be careful with it. You might never get it again. It's fun to kill people. We should try it sometime. Nobody gets away with what you did. Nobody. BFM 89.9, it's 8.28, and you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Arvin, our supercut tonight, because uh, earlier this week we reviewed Sandman and Prey is focused on dark, disturbing content, which to be fair, Prey is not. Um, Sandman kind of dabbles in, and uh, we've just made a meal of it. So we'd like to hear from you. um, What's your take on just the stuff that's really dark and squirmy and and really gets to you, like gets in your head? Um, Do you... Are you okay with it? Are you cool? Do you have favourites? Uh, WhatsApp us, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So that was a bit of Tom Ford's Nocturnal Animals, a movie that Arvin can never bring up without ugh. Um, <laughs> like, like literally every time. And um, a movie that I will start off by saying is great. Like I think it's mm. a really beautifully made movie. It's really well written. Um, if you haven't yet seen to- Tom Ford's films, like he's a really, really accomplished director. Nocturnal Animals is tough, um, and it's tough for a variety of things. I think it's tough because of the sexual violence, which we spoke about earlier. Um, it's tough because of this idea of vengeance, which we also mentioned in like Irreversible. Um, but it's also difficult just because of like loneliness and mm. the difficulty of being sad. I haven't watched Nocturnal Animals, particularly because of this. I think the time it came out in also, um, you know, just before the pandemic or during, in fact, um, I found it very difficult to put myself in that space. Um, Also, after watching Jake Gyllenhaal in like Nightcrawler, I I Mm. always like need to think about whether I can take him in another movie that's in that dark and disturbing genre. Yeah, Nocturnal Animals is one thing I cannot, I just won't revisit. Um, I'm glad I watched it because of all those reasons. Like, it is a good movie. Uh, it's it's so well shot. Like It's beautiful. It's, yeah, it's got yeah. such good cinematography for something that's so dark. But I think because of the unexpected nature of some of the things that happen, uh, some of the reveals, some of the ways... Um, you don't expect the movie is going to go a certain way and then it goes that way and then you hate that it's in that space. And then it's very important that it went that way. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, and I hate that. Um, so I, I appreciate the movie. I'm never, ever, ever going to watch it again. Uh, I mean, fair, I have, f- fair enough because 
I am acting like some sort of nocturnal animal stand here, but, but you know, I also haven't rewatched it. So, which is in some ways uh, where we're at today, right? Mm. It's the kind of thing that you simply can't rewatch or find very difficult to rewatch. So, Lily says, The Handmaid's Tale is the darkest show I've ever watched. It took me around two months to go through all eight episodes, and I had to watch a fluffy TV show after each episode to cleanse my brain. I actually quit Handmaid's Tale Same. after the first season Same. because of how dark it was. I loved the first season. Um, was very glad I didn't binge it. But I couldn't lah. I, I just couldn't watch the second season. I think I was on episode three or four. And then I, I'm not even kidding. Like I, I questioned myself. I was like, why do I put myself through this? Like, why am I watching this show and giving myself these emotions on like a random weekday night? And then I just stopped. So I haven't continued. That's fair. I mean... I- Let's talk about earning it. Because yeah. we said earlier that if it's earned, it's okay. And the thing is that Handmaid's Tale, right, is is important, um, capital I important for a number of reasons. It is also at this point quite an old book. People are familiar with the stories, the themes. So why then doesn't it feel earned? I, for me, I think it comes down to, um, I think why I could do season one is because it made sense um, and also because that was the source material. So it, mm. it did actually follow what happened, uh, what you already know to happen. Everything after that, when they're like, let's keep going, I'm like, well, this is just money now. This is just money and Emmys. Like, what else is this? <laughs> um, it's the same for me. Um, I really love the book. Um, so also, I kind of knew what was coming with the TV show. Uh, but it the book also ends in a definite place. And then I was like, oh, okay, you're going to go on with this. And you're not going to go on to a brighter, better place. You're going to go on to what seems to be even darker stuff. Um, yeah, for me, it, it was that. It, it, it didn't, it, after season one, it started feeling like it wasn't necessarily earned. Who are all these filmmakers that make these shows though? Like like Handmaid's Tale. Um, because I'm 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 willing to bet that the the darkest filmmakers are not the mainstream ones. Like we mentioned David Fincher. I think if you compare him to someone like the guy who made um Nymphomaniac, mm. like David Fincher's a nothing. He like uh, he Lars the, Lars Von, yeah, <laughs> like he's not even in the same league because that guy is disturbing. Like he knows how to harness darkness. Lars von Trier does this stuff for fun, huh? I mean, exactly. that's quite clear. Melancholia like, yeah. for him is a romantic comedy. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. the lightest of his work. Yeah. Antichrist <laughs> is just a, a trip to the woods. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, it, there's some, there are some filmmakers I don't do. And I think it's for this reason. It's like, well, I, I appreciate that some people enjoy having that sense of horror or always um, having films that make them question the nature of humanity and whether it's all worth it. But I can't live in that space. Like I, I, I'm happy to go in and appreciate these things as art, but not necessarily live there for a prolonged period. So controversial question then. Do we actually like dark content? No. Mm. I, I think that's quite clear. This, I, this, I, from, right, this whole like, show, I didn't it's, think yeah. this was where we would go because I think I like some of it. I appreciate a lot of it, but I the fact that I keep saying again and again I'm not going to watch it again, mm. I think indicates that I may not necessarily like it. It's an appreciation, but a lot of it is like an intellectual appreciation. I think if it's fun, then it's okay, even if it's very dark. So I, I bring up like Upgrade a lot whenever there's a recommendation or something. I love that movie. But because of how fun the, not how fun the violence is, that's weird to say, but how uh, fun the story is and then how they use violence and gore um, and action to their advantage, it it becomes okay, even though the movie is quite dark. Um, but I think when the vibe is, we spoke about this before also, and the vibe is so heavy, then tend to avoid yeah, because I'm thinking of something like uh, Let the Right One In or mm. Let Me In, the English version. I love both so deeply. I would rewatch those. Um, mm. Even though they do put me in a little bit of a dark headspace, I think I would rewatch those. So it's not like I'm averse to it entirely. Parasite's very dark uh, and mm. I've watched very it dark. a few times now. So um, it, it's not, it depends, I think. Uh, when I say no, what I mean is my threshold for like old boy is not great. I I can't believe we've come this far. Have I done it on purpose? Maybe my brain's trying to protect me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it might be the case because Park Chan-wook's 
almost entire back catalogue, with the exception of like The Handmaiden, um, is is just so dark. And, and I encountered Old Boy by accident. Thank you, Australia SBS, you know, <laughs> and, and your late night TV options, because you encounter lots of great art house stuff, but you know, you never know what you're going to get. And I just started watching Old Boy. The, the whole idea of, why is this guy trapped in a room? Who is this? Mm. What's going to happen? Octopus scene, hammer scene. And you're like, wow, this is great. God, the visual image now. And, yeah. and then you hit the end. And like a, that one kept me up at night. Like I didn't sleep that night. Weirdly, hearing you describe it makes me want to rewatch. I haven't rewatched in a very long time. Octopus scene, hammer scene, come on. I mean, it's a great film. It's a great. Old Boy is so good. Uh, the original. Park Chan-wook. Yeah, original, <laughs> not the English remake. I, I can't do the octopus scene. Um, I think once is enough. You know he's a Buddhist and a vegetarian? The octopus? No, the, the actor. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I couldn't resist. For all you know. Yeah. For, For you all know. you They're know. They're very intelligent animals. Yes. No, but truly, I mean, the actor is, he's like, he said a prayer, like the, for, for the many takes that he had to do eating the live oh, octopus. Oh, God. Yeah, and you no. spoilt it now. I have not. You, I, I already know you will watch Old Boy. By the way, um, ZR says, Old Boy is so good though. And it is. This is the thing. It, it's it's hard to, mm. it's hard to contest it. Old so, Boy is not one of those where I'm like, oh, you shouldn't rewatch. I, I feel like it's worth, ah, okay, maybe this is it. Is the uncomfortable, disturbing feeling you're left with worth the experience of watching the movie? For old boy, yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. for me, that's the thing. Um, some movies, they're just not worth going back to that. I would 100% rewatch The Lighthouse and I found it disturbing. Same. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah, uh, I would rewatch um, a, a Midsommar, a Saint Maud. I've spoken about them several times on the show. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but then there are others that I just know, like Hard Pass. And, and I think it really depends. Like I would never rewatch. Um, I don't know... Uh, a number of the ones that we've already <laughs> talked about. Actually, I don't want to repeat myself. There are things I wouldn't rewatch. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and I think I think that's okay. I don't think we need to be so cool that we always watch dark content because that's what film fans do. I think that's fine. Uh, ZR also says his whole vengeance trilogy was quite something, which I agree with. And and again. It's worth it, you know, when you're watching a master filmmaker do something really interesting and beautiful and vibrant to watch. The nightmares or the sleepless, <laughs> like, ugh, what has happened, um, is worth it. Uh, also, Zara says, I don't do well with horror, but Babadook is worth the darkness and heaviness. Uh, Discuss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have not watched yet. Oh, so I can say Babadook. <laughs> okay, that's, that's terrifying enough that I don't want to watch it. It's it's heavy. That mm. thing's like so heavy. It's one of those horror movies that's so unorthodox that you don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. where the horror is coming from, which is the worst part. Great. Striking it off the list. <laughs> no. No, watch Baba Duk. Baba yeah. Duk is worth it. I, I really believe so that. So I'm guessing our next like movie party is basically Grave of the Fireflies Noroi. and Baba Duk and Noroi. Yeah. There yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> Open invitation. Why don't you want to hang out? I don't and do understand. fun things. Sounds so fun. Yeah. Um, Patrick says, Black Mirror is a TV show which I watch very uncomfortably, as you could actually imagine many of the themes of the show in reality, and it's hard to swallow. Some episodes you have to stop and take a break. You know what's great about Black Mirror, right? When I think about the most disturbing episode ever, it's actually still the very first one. Yes, with I the can't Prime get past Minister. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, if you can cross that, you're home free. You can probably deal with the others. Even though, you know, great plotting, great stories. That first one, though, is still the darkest. I can see it mm. in my head. I can mm-hmm. still think and his about face. it. Yes, yeah. yes, all of it. I think the thing I don't like about the... Oh, I love about the series and don't like about the series is that the technology is so cool. Like, you're like, oh, if this thing existed, like, if you could see all your memories from the day and just rewind or forward or whatever it is, it's so cool. But you don't want it at all. Like, you mm. never want to get to that point. And I hate that about the show. I suddenly realise that I've been watching Rory Kinnear and not making that connection and now it's back and I can't uh, I can't unmake it. You uh. know what's tough for me about Rory Kinnear is that I also watched him in Penny Dreadful, which is also a very, very dark show. He's so good in it. And then I watched him in um, 
that episode in, in and then Black in Bond <laughs> and then in Bond and then you're just like oh no what is this um, he's also in Alex Garland's latest uh, called Men in which he plays like I don't know something like 15 men um, and well if it's Alex Garland it's probably uh, it's going, going to be to very be, dark yeah. so from mm. what I've heard a lot of body horror so maybe that's just a Rory Kinnear thing I'm not sure Danny says um, the Stepford Wives the creepiness that builds up as the main character Joanna meets the robotic women of Stepford and that one scene of uneasiness when she sees um someone turning into a robot. Um, Midsommar, Nafset, the simplicity of a simple Midsommar festival turns out to be a pagan cult, visually arresting and disturbing. And then, this is a classic, Videodrome, a pulsating flesh TV pulling out a meat gun from an abdomen and hallucinations that border on reality. This is David Cronenberg's finest film on body horror, really ahead of its time in commenting on society's addiction to TV. This was made in 83. I rewatched this recently and it's still relevant to how we live today and how we're addicted to our digital devices long live the new flesh oh god oh god um yeah videodrome i'm never re-watching but it's such a good film i love the stepford wives shout because it's exactly what you were saying about how um sometimes it's actually even worse when a dark story is set in this like super bright space mm. i'm just thinking about the fly now oh we were talking about this we were yeah. talking about the fly and and besides the predator i think the fly might have been one of my earliest most disturbing the hair, mm. the, hair. On the hair is yeah. really the hair, rough. The hair yeah. does it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, Abdul Rahim on Twitter says, Steven Spielberg's Jaws. Oh, Actually, yes. Can when we threw back to it, we were talking about how disturbing, um, even today, the music and the visuals are. As long as you don't see the actual shark. Mm. Mm-hmm. Even the actual shark. I mean, Bruce, is, mm. Bruce for its time period, is, is really something. Um, it's interesting because I think of Jaws as more fun. Than, than um, disturbing for me personally. But uh, I, I love hearing about the differences in opinion. Um, it is fun, but for me, it actually still made me scared. Um, ah. I mean, I can't swim. That's the other thing. Right. So I also like the, yeah. the, the idea of being helpless in open water is already quite scary for also, me. Also, being able to swim doesn't help with the shark. This is true. <laughs> in fact, it might yeah. be even worse because it'll think you're a seal. Oh. I know way too much about great whites. <laughs> no, I was going to say it's it's fun for me, but no, for, it's definitely on the side of horror uh, a bit more. Just because the shark looks so weird. Mm. Like Bruce is a weird looking shark, mm. if you think about it. Uh, think of him being dragged along on a boat <laughs> desperately on the side. Um, Ling says, Dr. Sleep really got me. It's really Ooh. disturbing that demons get their power from torturing children. It's so dark. Uh, the scene of them torturing the boy caused my heart rate to rise and my whole body turned cold from the evilness of it. Um, Dr. Sleep was made by, and I forget his name, but he also made all the Netflix horror Midnight shows. Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass. Michael and, Flanagan. Uh, Michael Flanagan. Yeah, yes. so he is so good at this. Flanagan. And Flanagan. Flanagan. Mike Flanagan. Yeah, yeah. and, and he, um, he does one of those things where you can't stop watching his shows. They're very dark and sometimes they're very depressing, but uh, he makes it fun in a way. He makes it addictive. I you think that's lie, the thing. because I've only watched Midnight Mass. I've not gotten my... I love it. Mm. You claim that I can watch some of the others without being too scared. I haven't still... Because, like, I start... The stupid preview on Netflix already terrifies me. Have you seen Doctor Sleep? No, of course not. It's he, really good. Arvin said that's the scariest of the lot. Um, oh, so I can watch Midnight Mass. Sorry, yes, now, now yes. I'm working my way Midnight around it. Midnight Mass actually is disturbing, but it's not horror. It Yeah, it's disturbing. But um, the the first one, Haunting of Hill House, I would say be careful, lah, you know, if, if you... <laughs> this yeah, this it's is a, the exact yeah. ratio that he gave me that I still haven't utilised. Yeah, Bly Manor's okay. Bly Manor gets a bit creepy towards the last uh, few episodes. But Doctor Sleep is fine. Doctor Sleep is watchable. I, I really enjoy Doctor Sleep, but uh, I 100% agree with you, Ling. It is a tough one. Uh, Imran says, Dogtooth is a pretty disturbing movie, in my opinion. It really creeps me out until today. Dogtooth, um, I think I wasn't allowed to watch it, actually, now that I think about it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah I, I know of it. <laughs> I, I have not seen it. Um, Taihi says, Bionic Woman and Six Million Dollar Man were not dark. I think this is a reference to uh, a message we had earlier about transhumanism. So I, I think this is where what disturbs you personally is going to show up in film. Because I, I'm not particularly bothered by transhumanism. I didn't find Alita that disturbing. But I, I get the premise. I understand it. Transhumanism doesn't necessarily bother me either. And in fact, like there's some sci-fi where it's actually really cool, right? Mm. Um, I actually think that it's just that two two sides of everything. You could make a bionic woman or six million dollar man that was really dark if you wanted to, um, you know, but... 
but in this case it's celebratory so i just think that concepts can be dark if they like the idea of a human being uh, augmented with technology and and you know metal and stuff is inherently disturbing and a bit scary or the other way around like uh, ex machina yes. which is yeah. which is very disturbing Alex Garland, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just his thing. Annihilation is also very disturbing. Very disturbing. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. But, you know, uh, Rowan says, other doubt films, Apocalypto, 2006, especially mm. the scene of running through a field with the corpses. I cannot imagine the stench, yet I can, partly because of the feel of the film. Uh, Splice was disturbing on ethical and scientific grounds, questioning whether we as humans should really play God with gene modification. Oh, no, I had forgotten that Splice even existed until, Rowan, you just brought it up. Is Splice the one by James Gunn? No, that's Slither. That's Slither. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Splice, uh, Splice is, is the one with Adrian Brody. Uh, okay, okay. Mm. Slither's worse though. I don't think I watched Slither now that I think about it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Even the word yeah. is too yeah, much. Yeah. You know. Uh, Casey and Sandura from Kajang say hi and say, I think the Mindhunter series was just beautifully dark and eerie in how accurately they enacted actual serial killers. The comparison with real life footage gave me legitimate creeps. Serial killers are their own category of disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and it, I go back to, um, for me actually, I find them the most disturbing sometimes because of how, I, I, I guess it's always that combination of hyper-intelligence usually and uh, sort of detachment from being human. Uh, Mindhunter is great. The first season in particular does that so well because you actually get to like sit in, quote unquote, on these interviews with the serial killers. And yeah, it's it's a lot. Which is why I stay away from true crime uh, documentaries. I'm like, it's it's because it's real, one. And then they keep talking about the same thing over and over, which is super, super dark. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I don't need this. Uh, Zadar is back to say, uh, firstly, Sharmila, to you, it is worth it. I couldn't sleep for months, but it was so worth it about Babadook. And then uh-huh. um, also says Penny Dreadful had so much promise uh, with an ugh. And how has no one mentioned Clockwork Orange, The Shining and Requiem for a Dream? So Requiem, we did talk about quite mm-hmm. a bit earlier. You might have missed it. Uh, catch the podcast. But yeah, Clockwork Orange and The Shining, very fair. We, I, I don't know how we've made it this far, not mentioned. Clockwork Orange is classic. Like, And again, I would rewatch that even though each time... So um, Rowan talked about being able to smell the stench. Mm. Clockwork Orange, when they do the eye scene... Uh, when, with his eye forced uh, open, I yeah. feel my eyes start tearing up. Um, well, and, and also they did it. Yeah. Um, so so that's like they did it in the 70s. Um, and I think that eyes are also another disturbing yes. thing that we haven't spoken about, yeah. actually. Just like, the like eye. things get happening to eyes. And again, mountain, viper. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. How do we talk about Dr. Sleep and not mention The Shining? Like we literally just said Dr. Sleep. I thought about it. Then I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> People know. <laughs> Uh, which clearly was a mistake. Um, just this is a callback to our review actually for Prey. Shan says, To me, any dog dying in a movie, I just can't, and it's a crime against cinema. Let the dog live. 100% agree. I will yep. just say that's the reason why I Am Legend is one of the most disturbing movies I know. You know that I couldn't I couldn't enjoy that movie yeah. or watch it after, after that. After like, that yeah. I, I was done. I'm like, No, I tap out. I'm not interested anymore. So our rule is cool, right? Like when yeah. we review movies to yes. tell people if the dog lives. Because yeah. I think that you need to know. Yeah. Any any pet, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not just... Any likable animal. The dog stands in for, for, you know, what have you. Just animal. Um... Azri says, the first Saw movie, definitely rewatchable. We started with that, so <laughs> there you go. Um, Amir has a great point, saying, my favourite dark movie is anything that's inspired or based on true events about war or disaster. For example, Hotel Rwanda and Chernobyl. Chernobyl, so I haven't watched Hotel Rwanda because I just never could wrap my head around it. Chernobyl is tough. Chernobyl is mm. very disturbing. Chernobyl is very disturbing. It was also particularly tough because we were, it came out, or at least I watched it when we were under MCO and pandemic. And so all the hospital scenes with um, ICUs overflowing and people, you know, that really got to And me. the people not caring. Actually, yeah. the, the thing about Chernobyl that's difficult is uh, watching the authorities not care and knowing exactly how far that will go. I struggled with that. And that was also a pandemic thing. Yes. I, I skip scenes on that show, uh, particularly because of the dog thing. Um, someone told me something about dogs, yes. and then oh, I just skipped the yes. whole. Um, I forgot whole about episode. that. Yeah, the whole episode was bad. Yes, mm-hmm. actually, Jared Harris, in general, is in a lot of disturbing stuff. Mobius. Ah, oh, mm. you see, mm. yeah. Wait, none, yeah. none of us are laughing, so it's not a clear radio joke. That was a radio joke. I'm sorry, <laughs> people can't see us. Um, Winston says Poltergeist and the Omen. 
Oh, the omen. Especially the first one. Honestly, creepy kids are just too much. Creepy kids are yeah, a lot. The orphan, for uh, instance. So violence against kids, terrible. Creepy kids, also terrible. Also terrible, yeah. yes. What's the one in the, the village or the open field? Uh, Children of the Corn. Village of the Damned. Village of the Damned. Oh, and, oh, and, and Children, and children, and children of the Corn. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Creepy stuff. Yeah. Uh, Lokman says Midnight Mass was disturbing because the sermon was convincing. It gives a good example of how people twist religion for evil deeds, which, um, I mean, I haven't seen it, but that's... Yes, mm-hmm. and I would like to also um, call back to Kevin Smith's Red State, which movie, not as great, but there's a great scene with a preacher in a church. Um, again, with this vibe of how religion can be twisted for your own agenda. So disturbing, so, so disturbing. Ooh, Kevin Smith. Uh, have you guys seen that movie he did with, um, um, what's his name? A Tusk or something. It's like it's a very like obscure uh, no. movie. Like, <laughs> so it's obscure that we're thing. both staring at you blankly. I, I think it's Kevin Smith. Yeah, that that one was disturbing. All right, Patrick is uh, adding. Watching Chappie actually was a little dark. I felt like Ooh. the film adds humanity to a droid and especially a child. It was a little disturbing. Um, and now we're closing off on Jesper, who has sent a um, again a comprehensive list. I'm just going to cherry pick some that we haven't mentioned yet, including um, Twin Peaks. <laughs> we, we came this far. We did mention Twin Peaks, uh, The X Files. Let's see, Fatal Attraction, Misery, Red Dragon. Um, Let's see. American History. Ooh. American History X. Yes. <gasps> yes. That is, yeah. that is very dark. I love the misery shout because even till today, sometimes the Kathy Bates scene comes to my head and, and I get really... Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. feeling of being trapped in bed by someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's really by scary. someone is the, yeah. the emphasis. Yeah. Jesper mentions the Predator movies, by the way. So uh, just again, <laughs> a callback to stuff that we've been talking about. Uh, Rosemary's Baby, The Omen, Carrie, um, The Thing, Stigmata, which is, mm. is such a callback, something that we haven't talked about for a little while. Um, and then also mentions Jojo Rabbit, which is actually a, a good shout. Power of the Dog, which I would uh, very much agree with. And then, um, yeah, a number of others. Power of the Dog is a great one because actually that movie, the, the the darkness builds and builds and builds in a way that you really don't expect. Also, let's be fair. I mean, the Predator movies are like disturbing, but some of them are disturbing because of how bad they are. <laughs> like they're yes. just so disturbing poorly done. for different reasons. Different reasons. Yeah, you're like, how, does, how is this even a movie? Why for? Yeah, why, yeah. why for? <laughs> yeah, you know? why for? Um, okay, so in closing... Is there a disturbing movie we'd each like to recommend? Mine is definitely going to be Old Boy. I think if you've not seen Old Boy, um, it is a great test of your stomach and, and your propensity for how far you can go. And it's a great film. I'm going to say Nightcrawler, actually. Um, we've said it before, but um, I think if you haven't watched it, it's so real and so disturbing. I think any anything by uh, Mike Flanagan, like like I said, I think any one of his shows or his movies, like go for it because it's not so dark that you're gonna be like super down after, but it's 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 fun enough, but also equally scary and disturbing. Get in touch if you want Arvin's patented creepy chart yes, when it comes for to Mike Flanagan. Flanagan. <laughs> yeah, specifically because maybe maybe people need guidance. I don't know. Um, all right, we've been spending the last more than an hour talking about dark disturbing content uh let us know is this something that you can do that you like that you have favorites for whatsapp us 018-789-8899 tweet us at bfm radio and of course you can always write to us at movies at bfm.my this has been popcorn culture thank you so much for listening You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.